helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. How many of you, back on January 7th, 2021, thought we'd still be fighting the January 6th demonstrations three years later? I don't mean we'd still be arguing about the event, but that we'd still be litigating it. Then again, with what we've observed over the last three years, I don't think we've heard the end of January 6th. No, not for many, many, many more years. Hello there, Everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising generation to be free. I'm glad you could join me today. You know, <laughs> with all that's been going on, it seems like January 6th is even more in the news, well, than it was in, in the previous couple of years. I mean, this truly is the gift that just seems to keep on giving. Uh, take the recent sentencing of Ray Epps. Now, um... Ray Epps is is uh, been identified by me, uh, by several as a an FBI plant, someone that the FBI put in the crowd in order to agitate. I've yet to see uh, any any actual uh, um, evidence that that's the case, but there are a lot of people that that have caved. But there is video evidence of him agitating, of him telling people to go to the Capitol, of of him certainly getting the crowd going, even directing people to go to the Capitol. Um, what Ray Epps eventually did was plead guilty to a single count of disorderly or disruptive conduct on restricted grounds. Um, he, he's pleaded in, in, in district court, and he was recently sentenced. Now, this is where people are getting a very agitated. Now, again, I, some people claim that this is more evidence that he was an FBI plant. Um, it could simply be that he made a plea deal. Um, I'm, I'm yet to be convinced one way or the other. But I do want to take a look at his sentencing, right? Because um, he's going to receive no jail time. He's, getting one, he's got one year of probation, probation, a $500 fine, and 100 hours of community service. Now, part of the claim is, well... While he was on restricted grounds, he didn't actually enter the Capitol. While there's video or at least photographic evidence of him uh, helping push through the barricade to get to restricted, he didn't enter the Capitol, and uh, maybe because he pled guilty. Um, I don't know. Uh, the, the real question is, was he acting as a federal agent at the time, which is, I, I don't want to deal with it. What, what, what I do want you to consider is, um, how many people from, you know, family men to, to grandma have had an armed, uh, uh, an armed force of, of DOJ agents, FBI, ATF, show up at their door armed, wearing body armor for arrest of misdemeanor crimes? Yes, misdemeanors, not, not felonies, not violent crimes, misdemeanors. We've seen uh, husbands being, you know, ha having their homes raided um, for, because they were charged with a crime that the city and state had said, uh, no, that what he did was not a crime. But the feds want to make it a crime. See, to me, we're seeing some disparity here. Now, again, I will allow that the possibility is Mr. Epps entered a plea deal. 
that uh, he, you know, in order, in, in exchange for pleading guilty to the one crime of of this uh, basically uh, disorderly conduct, he got a much lighter sentence. Certainly, is not unheard of based on other things that that I that I've seen. But there are a lot of people that are claiming that Mr. Epps was actually working for the FBI at the time. Now, again, yeah, I have yet to see really good evidence one way or the other. Um, and you know me, I want evidence. You know, people, people keep asking me, you know, they, they keep saying, you know, making statements, where's your evidence? Where's your, where's your, give me some documentation. Give me some proof. But I guess maybe part of what I want to do is, is why are we focusing so, focusing so much on Epps? And ignoring other things, like the fact that, um, anybody here remember that there were two pipe bombs placed just before January 6th? One in front of the, the DNC headquarters, the other in front of the RNC headquarters? Yeah, it, I find it interesting that um, the FBI can track down all these January 6th uh, um, activists, demonstrators, anywhere in the country. They haven't even figured out who placed those pipe bombs. Of course, and there are some that say they know who placed the pipe bombs. There's there there are security cameras all over D.C. It's one of the most uh, observed cities in the country. They know who it is, but they're not doing anything about it. Now, again, I've yet to see good evidence one way or the other. What I do notice is here we are in January 2024, three years later. And we're still arguing. We're always going to argue about this. This is kind of a, a a fact of life. What interests me is how much of our lives are being consumed by this date, by what happened on this date. And again, if you are of the belief that um, what happened on on uh, January 6, twenty twenty one, was an insurrection, was a riot, was an, a, a a coup, an attempt to overthrow the Constitution as required by the 14th Amendment, Section 3, for invalidation or inability to hold office, well, then, yeah, it's really, really, really important. So you would kind of keep it top of mind. Then again, if you believe that it was, uh, that, that the reaction to it was its own um, insurrection, the overthrow of the Constitution and replacing it with, uh, uh, you know, FBI uh, FBI squads going around arresting anybody that questioned the fact that uh, um, that uh, Biden won the the election in 2020, questioned it in 2020 at all. Well, then it's also very important to you. And this is is part of my concern. So I remember what Washington said about the spirit of revenge natural to party dissension, it being its own frightful despotism, it distracting us, it's enfeebling the public actors, distracting us from what's going on, focusing on the craziness. Now, again, what happened in the 2020 election was a serious problem. And January 6th, I believe, was the outcome of the frustration of nothing being done. But it's the it's it's the event that just keeps on giving. It keeps coming back. Again, we still don't know what happened with the the pipe bombers. We have no information about about that. And of course, that also is bringing up well its own conspiracy theories. 
think of it this way. If you, and again, I only say they're conspiracy theories because I have yet to see evidence. I'm not saying whether it's true or not. It's whether or not you have evidence that's true or not. Um, the same way uh, 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 people are calling Ray Epps uh, an FBI informant uh, be, based on their beliefs of why he did what he did. There are people that are claiming maybe the, the guy that planted the pipe bomb, you know, we've got video of these being planted, but um, maybe he was also an informant or, or an agent of the FBI. Maybe that's why nothing's been coming up. Now, to me, that's a pretty scary th thing to consider. But when you see how the FBI has acted lately, it's not proof that this is true, but it sure does bring to question, did the FBI meddle, not just in, in, in the 2020 election, which we have evidence they did. We had evidence that they, they helped uh, uh, push social media uh, companies to suppress information about Hunter Biden's laptop, uh, information that 17% uh, of Biden voters in swing states said would have led them to change their mind and vote for somebody else. We had the four years of the false steel dossier and evidence that the FBI knew it was false, but pursued this anyway, and the Department of Justice pursued this anyway. Here we, we, we have the, the very FBI that uh, refused or and not, not simply refused, but went beyond their scope. They, they investigated uh, Hillary Clinton and the use of her um, private email server to violate federal law. They suddenly said, no, nobody would prosecute this. We're just going to shut this down, even though that's not their job. Their job is to build a case. It's the uh, prosecutor's job to decide whether or not to actually prosecute it. So there's evidence of the FBI meddling in in campaigns before, is this the continuation of that? Again, I don't see proof. What I see is a lot of circumstantial possibilities, which brings, again, a lot of questions. But I think there's a more fundamental concern under there, and that is, do we trust our elections anymore? With the evidence from uh, 2,000 mules of ballot box stuffing, from the the uh, the going from the extraordinary situation of of going to primarily if not exclusive mail-in ballots to that becoming the norm when we've known for for years that you know the, the uh, um, mail-in ballots are twice as likely to be uh, found invalid as in-person ballots this push towards this mail-in balloting the frustration that was Sheen on January 6th with the process of the election. Yes, I'm sure people, there were some people that were there simply because Trump lost. There were people at the Capitol in January of 2016 simply because Hillary Clinton lost. Um, there were some, but there was a, a different mood, a, a mood on January 6th dealing with the questioning of the process, the evident fraud. When you have an attorney general of the state of Texas suing, claiming that states committed fraud in their uh, choosing of the presidential electors, 
there's a different state there. And I think that's what led to the the January, a lot of the January 6th emotional eruption. Um, I believe it may have been instigated or, or it may have been increased by the actions of some, but, you know, okay. But then to turn around, and of course, you know, I, I said right from the beginning, when they started calling it an insurrection, I said the purpose is to make sure there are people that cannot serve again. And that's come true as well with the um, the uh, the lawsuits against Donald Trump claiming he's inva- un- unable to serve under the 14th Amendment, even though there's yet to see any evidence that he actually engaged in an actual insurrection. An insurrection, by the way, it can't simply be an insurrection against who won, right? That's the important thing. A lot of people seem to be focusing on, well, you know, the, 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 he, he didn't like the outcome and he wanted it changed. Okay. But the 14th Amendment says an insurrection against the Constitution. When he thought, if, if he honestly thought, like I do and, and millions of others, that there were problems in the election, that the Constitution was violated by several states, um, it's not an insurrection against the Constitution to say we need to follow the Constitution. A lot of what Trump did was just plain stupid. Um, the whole idea that uh, uh, Mike Pence, as the vice president, could decide which um, which certificates to count and which ones not to count. Nothing in the Constitution authorizes him. That, to me, is a really interesting th- problem, is we had problems at the state level that were suddenly federal problems, national problems, because so many people misunderstand how he actually elected president. By the way, a topic I plan to be talking about uh, probably repeatedly this year, since we have another presidential election. See, January 6th, to me, is the symptom of a lack of trust in the electoral process, a lack of trust, I believe, that has been earned, a, a lack of trust in the judicial system, I should say the justice system, um, a lack of trust, by the way, I believe has been earned. This gift that keeps on giving is giving because when the problems were small, we kept expecting somebody else to fix them. And when they didn't, it made the problems get big. The disparity of treatment by um, Eric Holder, or treatment of, I should say, Eric Holder and Hillary, and Hillary Clinton compared to, say, uh, um, Donald Trump, uh, Ray Epps, the, the number of people still... Uh, in what reportedly are are terrible conditions in the District of Columbia jail system. I don't foresee January 6th, the argument ending. And you know what? I I don't expect there, I I would not be surprised to see, regardless of who wins the election, I would not be surprised to see a similar type of demonstration in January 2025. Because now it appears that um, elections aren't won at the ballot box. They're won via ballot stuffing or by uh, political machinations. I'm sad to say it, but that does appear to be uh, more and more evident. It's why I tell people, if you want to do something to help with the elections, you start 
by getting involved with your county election board. Every election starts at the county level. It's, um, it may seem like a small thing, but the more of us that are making sure that our elections, that our county election boards are making sure that elections are free and fair and transparent, the less likely we are to have another January 6th or another 2020 election or even another 2016 election. Now, there actually is more aftermath of the 2020 election on January 6th, but I want to take a break first. Before I go, though, uh, you know, I don't know about you. Sometimes you just have a hard time falling asleep. So if you're tired of being tired, if you want a supplement that is designed to support all four stages of sleep, to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deeply so you can wake refreshed, well, try Healthy Cells REM Sleep Supplement. It helps you fall asleep. It works. I use it myself. My wife uses it. Uh, my daughter uses it. Now, because you're an American Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off your first order from Healthy Cell. You can find all the details at americaoutloud.shop. But please, go to healthycell.com. Check out all of their great products, including REM sleep. But do me a favor. Go through americaoutloud.shop. Make sure you get your 25% off that first order by following the directions at americaoutloud.shop. If you do, it lets Healthy Cell know that you listen to America Out Loud. And as a thank you, well, you'll get that 25% off your first order. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high stress, on the go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great-tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. Lean, pure, with premium ingredients. Global Healing's Pure Plant Protein offers 20 grams of protein per scoop, and it's a perfect way to maintain and build lean muscle while indulging yourself. It combines enzymes and probiotics to maximize nutrient absorption, improving digestion, and your gut health. Available in vanilla and chocolate flavors, elevate your protein consumption while supporting your overall wellness with pure plant protein. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. 
Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution study, and today we're talking about uh, the gift that keeps giving. That's January 6th, by the way. And, and all of the, I don't want to say brouhaha, all the, the insanity that comes around it. And a lot of it exists because people keep feeding into it. Um, they, they, they want it to be a, um, remembered. They want it to be in the forefront. Um, sometimes they use it for, uh, you know, to remind people of what happened in, in the 2020 election or what's happening to the people who've been swept up by the Department of Justice. Um, many of them have, uh, well, it sounds like they, um, they're, they're not being treated very well in, in jail. Others, they have a, a political reason for it. Take, for example, uh, our dear leader, Joe Biden. Um, now, here's a man who uh, I don't know if he'd recognize the truth if it bit him in the backside. He is known for being a plagiarist. He's known for lying, lying about his own history, lying about his own past. Uh, for example, in a, in a recent uh, uh, event talking about January 6th, he said there were over 140 officers injured. Jill and I attended the funerals of police officers who died as a result of the events that day. There's just kind of one little problem. Um, no, but no officers died as a result of January 6th. In fact, the only person who did die as a result of January 6th is uh, Ashley Babbitt. And in fact, it was an officer that shot Ashley Babbitt and... Um, her estate is now suing that officer, um, and, you know, well, suing the officer, I believe, and maybe also the Capitol Police. So why would Joe Biden talk about going to funerals that he didn't go to? Well, he's Joe Biden. As I said, he is famous for lying about his past. Everything from uh, you know, claiming that a dead man told him how many miles he had traveled on Amtrak to, uh, uh, you know, whether or not he participated in, in uh, civil rights activists uh, groups in, in the 60s. He's famous. He was, he was charged with plagiarism during an earlier uh, presidential campaign. Not surprising. But the whole point is, if you roused up the... Um, people's emotions about what happened on January 6th, if you make it look more like a violent takeover of the Capitol than, uh, th th than, than a bunch of nitwits pushing through a barricade, while the vast, well, the majority of people actually just were outside or, or were escorted in, allowed in by Capitol Police, it's a way of twisting the, the narrative to get the outcome that you want. And of course, what's the outcome that um, what's the outcome that Donald that that Joe Biden wants? Well, if you continue the quote, he says, "Because of Donald Trump's lies, they died. Because these lies brought a mob to Washington D.C. See, that's why. Oh, we can attack Donald Trump with this. Now, there's a couple interesting things that uh, that have been brought up about this. You see." One of the things that they may not know, I go through hundreds of headlines a day. Generally about, right now I'm up to about, between about right around 600 headlines a day. Uh, I'm skimming through them. I'm looking for articles that I might use here on the radio program or on the website or on my videos. Um, but I go through six, through, like I said, 600 a night. 
And uh, I pretty much disregard any headline that starts with the words fact check. Because I've come to the conclusion, based on observation, that fact checkers are not fact checkers. They are truth manipulators. They want to claim that something is true because they say so. Now, some of their stuff is, is patently ridiculous. But here's what I find interesting. So if, uh, uh, let's say you're a conservative, right? Let's say uh, you're, you're a Donald Trump or a Nikki Haley or uh, a Ron DeSantis or anybody from that party, and you make a statement, it, get, it gets fact-checked like crazy. And what's interesting is they always try to find the tiniest little thing to twist around to make it seem like what you're saying is false. Uh, where are the fact-checkers on this statement that Joe and Jill Biden attended funerals of police officers who died as a result of um, January 6th? In fact, only one officer was ever claimed to have died as a result of January 6th. Um, he didn't die as a result of January 6th. He had a heart attack. Not because he was at the county. He had a heart attack after January 6th. And that's what he, he died from. See, part of the reason January 6th is coming back is it's used as a political weapon. By the way, it's used as a political weapon on both sides. Some claim, you know, again, some push to look at how the FBI has just treated people who were there in January 6th. Look at the fact that um, there's a there's actual a terrorist watch list where if you flew into the D.C. area between January 5th and 7th, you're flagged as a potential terrorist, whether you attended the Capitol or not. Right? That's part of the reason why this is a, the gift that keeps on giving. Now, one of the reasons for that, I think, is also the fact that, that we've seen so much overcharging where, uh, again, minor misdemeanor potential offenses suddenly become, you know, felonies or, or at least treated as such. For example, the Supreme Court is expected to uh, answer a serious question about the some of the laws that are being used to charge people um, in the in January 6th it falls under the the Corporate and Criminal Fraud Accountability Act of 2002 this was created in the in the the aftermath of the uh, Enron uh, debacle this case the central plaintiff is uh, Joseph Fisher uh, he's of Jonestown Pennsylvania Pennsylvania a, a former police officer and as I understand it Mr Fisher was indicted two months after January 6th for breach, uh, uh, for, I'm sorry, for obstructing an official proceeding, civil disorder, assaulting, resisting, or impeding officers, entering and remaining in a restricted building or grounds, disorderly and disruptive conduct in restricted uh, building or grounds, disorderly conduct, and parading, demonstrating, or picketing in a Capitol building. Now, apparently there were several defendants, and I guess Mr. Fisher's one of them, who argued that they could not have um, obstructed the uh, an official proceeding because Congress wasn't in the Capitol at the point when they entered it. In other words, they didn't enter the Capitol. They weren't present um, until after the lawmakers had left the, con the, the complex. Now, there's more. See, uh, as, as I understand it, the um, part of the problem is 
or at least as argued by Mr. Fisher's attorneys, is that the law, which is actually part of the accounting reform law for Sarbanes-Oxley, I believe, um, is being used to charge people, to prosecute people who are exercising their right to protest the congressional uh, counting of the electors. Now, they, the interesting is they're claiming that it's the, their right, the First Amendment right, well, the Congress was certifying the election results. Although, as I've pointed out, Congress does not certify the election results. Read the con read Article Two of the Constitution. The only thing Congress does is observe the counting of the ballots. Now, the problem with the law, eighteen U.S.C. fifteen twelve C, is that it reads: Whoever corruptly alters, destroys, mutilates, or conceals a record, document, or other object, or attempts to do so with the intent to impair the object's integrity or availability for use in an official proceeding or otherwise obstructs, influences, or impedes any official proceeding or attempts to do so, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 20 years. So the primary focus, again, is, is documentation, not demonstration. Which brings into the question, again, if you, uh, how do, you're dealing with obstruction, how did they obstruct or impede an official proceeding. Nobody entered the floor that I'm aware of entered the floor of Congress while Congress was in session, while they were there. They were evacuated before people showed up. Furthermore, it is certainly I would consider cruel and unusual punishment to uh, to uh, incarcerate somebody for 20 years for simply demonstrating in the Capitol, especially those who did so nonviolently. And then, of course, there's the question of uh, uh, Jack Smith's position. See, Jack Smith was a, was a private citizen when he was appointed to the office of special counsel by Attorney General Garland, specifically to investigate whether anyone violated the law in an effort to intervene in the lawful transfer of power following the 2020 presidential election or the certification of the Electoral College vote held. There's just one problem. Um, the office of special counsel was not created by Congress. It was created by Attorney General Garland, and he has no constitutional authority to create such an office. At least that's the, the claim of, of several attorneys, including uh, Edwin Meese. So what we may have here is uh, the Attorney General Garland, once again, making up rules all by himself and using those to persecute rather than prosecute uh, political opponents, whether that be, in this case, Donald Trump, or the use of, of FBI to go after, uh, let's see, traditional Roman Catholics, uh, anybody who was in the vicinity of Washington, D.C. on January 6th, um, people who didn't even enter the Capitol. I, and there's already a U.S. attorney that said, listen, we, we, we've withheld prosecuting people who were there but didn't enter the Capitol. Well, we're going to start going after them now. Um, and of course, the big question is, they talk about restricted areas, but how are people supposed to know it's a restricted area? Was there any signage or anything? That, there's a whole lot of, of craziness going on, and that's part of what keeps this January 6th thing going. Yes, some of them are, are private individuals that uh, they have a grudge, valid or otherwise, that keep this going. But we're also seeing the way government actors, uh, the federal government, is dealing with the, the, the what happened on January 6th. Now, again, 
I don't think January 6th was a stellar moment in American history. The demonstration outside the Capitol was fine. I have no problem with that. Um, the, uh, those who entered the Capitol who were escorted in or allowed in via Capitol Police, okay, they'd ha they would have no reason to believe they were not allowed if the police were escorting them in. Yes, the people that uh, busted through the barricade, that did damage, uh, they committed a crime. But the actions of a few have been blown into this, this belief that um, they were trying to overthrow the government rather than looking saying, no, we think this person was not properly elected. And, and to me, that really is the, the why January 6th has been escalated so. Why the, the hyperboles since January 7th is to make it such a big deal as to poison the well, to, to poison the, the image and reputation of anybody that was at all involved. Was it a smart move? Some of it was, some of it wasn't. But we, we're going to continue dealing with this aftermath because it has been shown to be useful in painting one's opponent as un-American, painting them as a criminal, painting them as, as someone so evil that you, you don't dare let them anywhere near the lovers of power because, well, all you have to do is claim now that uh, this person's going to become a dictator simply because, well, they participated in January 6th. I know people whose lives were ruined by the reaction to January 6th. When all they did were was attend a rally, attend an event. They did not enter the Capitol. They did not do any damage. They did not commit assault. But legally and personally, their lives have been destroyed. That's why I say this is a gift that's going to keep on giving because those people, the people who are still in the jails in, in the District of Columbia, those who, who believe they did not get a fair trial because, well, they're Republican, they were supporting a Republican candidate for president, and uh, let's face it, the District of Columbia is not exactly the bastion of GOP support. So, as I said, I expect this to go on and on and on. Uh, lies, accusations, recriminations. This is just going to continue. Now, I want to shift gears to, well, uh, another gift that seems to keep on giving, and that's, that's the southern border. But before I do that, I, I need to take a break. Now, I'm hoping you'll take the time and check out the website, constitutionstudy.com. It's where I, I post a lot of my articles, videos. I've got news feeds up there. Most of all, I've got a place for you to ask a question. I love answering questions. If you have a question you'd like to answer, to ask me, simply go there, click the Ask a Question button, fill out the form. If you check the box that you'd like me to answer on the radio, I'll be happy to do so. But it's the best way to get your questions answered by me is to go to that website against constitutionstudy.com. While you're there, maybe check out the, the other parts of the website. Like I said, I've got my, my news interest feeds. Uh, I've got the interviews that I've participated in. Of course, I've got the shops. You can always pick up a, a book or something or, or something else there. Maybe donate to the cause. And please, please check out the Patriots program. It, it's the new program I started uh, that is, um, it's designed not to replace what you're already doing, 
but to give you some tools to protect your own rights and maybe do what you're doing better. Now, while you're checking out websites, also please check out americaoutloud.news. It's a great place to go every day for news and information. But I'm going to ask you to do more. I'm going to ask you to share this information. As you learn about the Constitution study and AmericaOutloud.news, well, share that information. Share it with friends. Share it with family. Take the articles, the stories, the podcasts, the videos, the things that you see that really speak to you. Show you something new or just explain something in a new way and share them, especially on social media. It doesn't matter how big your following is. See, it's the act of sharing. It's the act of giving data and evidence to others of what you learned that is the actual act of helping you secure the blessings of liberty. Well, the out loud truth was the rallying call that started it all. AmericaOutloud.news was an idea, a movement, a place where folks would feel comfortable speaking the truth without being censored or canceled. The First Amendment is alive and well. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Nurses Out Loud Talk Radio want to introduce you to ASEA Redox Cell Signaling Molecules. It is more than just a wonderful natural product. Redox molecules are native to the human body. Redox molecules enable your body to turn on its inner doctor so your body can heal itself the way it did naturally when you were young. Check out AmericaOutloud.shop Look for ASEA Cell Signaling Molecules Liquid Supplement and check out Nurse Michelle's recent favorite ASEA product, Renew 28 Revitalizing Redox Gel, because this gel helped get me through some significant muscular pain during my healing process following a recent canoeing accident when I broke my hip. Give it a try for your aches and pains and let Nurses Out Loud hear how your health has improved. Welcome back, everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution study. Today, we're looking at the gift that keeps on giving. We spent a significant time on January 6th. I want to switch gears now to the southern border. Why? Because it's the gift that, been given, that keeps on giving pretty much for my entire adult life. Now, part of the problem we have is there are 
governments within this country, city governments, state governments, that keep inviting illegals in. Now, granted, you've got the federal government that's not enforcing federal law. Uh, you have the president making up policies out of thin air. Um, you have the Congress basically uh, weak and impotent to do anything about it. You've got all that. But there's so much more to it. I've talked before about the New York City. New York, I, I was born in New York City. Lived there as a child. Was there for work many, many times. And um, they decided they wanted to be a sanctuary city. They wanted to be a place that illegal aliens could go to. They asked for it. They asked to be this. They, they announced they were doing this. Well, now that uh, these illegal immigrants, these illegal aliens, are actually going to New York City, now they're actually having to know the consequence of their policy, um, well, they're kind of bent out of shape. And again, Mayor Adams has been, I don't know what this man thinks. Some of his rhetoric is standard political rhetoric. I expect that. You know, oh my God, the the state of Texas, the governor of the state of Texas is using these people as political pawns, as he used them as political pawns when he claimed his city was a, a sanctuary city. Um, I love when he decided that uh, to fix the problem with Governor Abbott sending illegal aliens to New York City, he decided to sue not the state of Texas, but the bus companies that were actually doing the trans the transporting as if they committed some crime in doing so. Now we're hearing some other issues. So uh, apparently the weather um, the weather last week was a little blustery. I've lived in New York City, right? It get, winds get really blustery. And of course, in the concrete canyons of the high-rises, the wind can really get whipped up. And there was some rain and some wind. And uh, apparently the city officials were concerned that the tent cities that had popped up to house these illegals would be damaged, would get, would get uh, blown away by these winds. So where are we going to put them? I know they decided to put them in a public school. They told the students at school, no, you can't go to school today. Uh, you're basically going to do homework from home. We're not going to have classes. We're going to give you homework uh, while we allow the illegal immigrants to be in, in, the, in the school. Now, on the one hand, as a humanitarian, from that point of view, yeah, I don't think having people out in tents um, in, in bad weather is a good thing. Is punishing the students of citizens of the, state, of the city of New York the proper way to get around it? The, the parents certainly didn't think so. But you see, here's the problem. When you invite people into your home, you can't be surprised when they show up. When you have an open invitation that said, hey, if you're an illegal alien, um, come here. We will take care of you. We will feed you. We will house you. You cannot be surprised when people show up. But apparently Mr. Adams is because while, he, you know, while he's dealing with this problem, um, he's wanting the federal government to pay for his promise. He's literally written a check that his city cannot cash, and now he wants the, the people of the United States to bail him out. Now, since Mr. Adams is not alone in that uh, Governor Hochul has declared the, the state of New York a sanctuary state, maybe he should be calling on Albany, not Washington, D.C., to help him pay for the promises he made that he cannot, uh, they cannot afford. 
Now, what happens in New York City frequently ends up in New Jersey, uh, right across the Hudson River. So, one of the things that that uh, Mayor Adams did was uh, he signed an executive order to require that bus companies provide 32-hour notice before they show up in the city. Um, I, I'm sorry, you're the executive. You're not the you're not the legislative branch of, of the city. Where do you get the authority to demand to to, to restrict travel without due process? Ah, well, we, we're worried about the um this this now has been learned by Governor Phil Murphy of New Jersey, who's uh, pretty much instituting the same rules. Now, the difference is where. Uh, Adams signed an executive order. Governor Murphy sent a letter to bus companies and asked them to communicate with the state about their arrivals. Um, that at least seems a little less crazy than what I've heard Mr. Adams is doing. Now, remember, the illegal alien crisis that we're dealing with comes from the policies of the current administration to refuse to enforce federal law and to make up policies that not only invite illegal aliens to cross the border illegally, but to uh, give them benefits when they do so, including cash, a cell phone, uh, transportation wherever they want in the United States. I mean, they've laid out the welcome mat and said, come on in. There's a reason why see, a country has a border. And the citizens of that country have the right to determine under what conditions someone can enter the border. It's the same way with your house. You have a border. It's called your 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 perimeter, either your doorway, right? The walls of your house. You could also say it's the it's the your the ter the land you own. You have the right to determine who is and isn't on your property and under what conditions. If someone comes onto your property and you don't want them there, you can simply trespass them, and it's a crime for them to remain. But that's not the way the, 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 the Biden administration is working. Well, then I heard this coming from the Attorney General of Oklahoma. She was testifying at the House Homeland Security Committee the other day, and uh, he says that the Department of Homeland Security have instructed state authorities to release illegal aliens who are tied to crimes in his community. Now, this to me gets at the heart of a serious constitutional issue. Oklahoma has now joined Texas with the question, who's in charge of your state? The DHS has no legal authority to require the release of someone who is, who is being held on a crime within the state, a city, a locale, or any other subdivision of the state. They have none. Just because they say, you must do this, tell them to go pound sand. The same way, you know, Texas, uh, Governor Abbott says, you know what? If the federal government isn't going to enforce federal law, we will. And they've authorized their state law enforcement to arrest people for being in the, in the country, to being in the state illegally. Wow, how can they do that? That's a federal issue. Ah, remember, read the Constitution. There's a reason why I read and study the Constitution. Immigration is not a power delegated to the United States. That is a state power. Yes, Congress can establish rules for naturalization, but actual immigration is a state issue. Meaning, now, 
whether or not you think that's a smart way of doing it doesn't matter. That's the law. So the same way the federal government has no authority to tell Texas to stop defending its border, whether it's by putting up fences or simply arresting people who enter, the, who enter across their border illegally, Oklahoma, the, the, the Department of Homeland Security has no authority to tell Oklahoma to release people who have committed crimes within their jurisdiction. They are state crimes. The federal government has absolutely zero say about it. Does Department of Homeland Security have uh, the potential say in federal crimes? Yes, but not state crimes. And again, remember, immigration is not a power delegated to the United States. So the fact that Congress made a law means nothing. If it's an unconstitutional law, if, it's, if the act of Congress is unconstitutional, that act is void. Again, Alexander Hamilton, Federal 78. Marbury versus Madison, Ex parte Siebold, Norton v. Shelby County, all state that unconstitutional acts are void. So part of the reason why John Jay said we need to read and study the Constitution is so that we put in place people to represent us who understand what the Constitution actually says, who understands the limits on both federal power and state power, and have the the courage and the character to actually stand up for what the Constitution actually says, not to simply bow down because um, some federal actor says, do so. The federal government says jump. There's no reason for you to say how high. The answer should be, where do you get the authority to tell me to jump? And if they can't point to something in the Constitution that gives them the authority to do so, then your answer should be, go pound sand. Now, if we look at these two sets of issues, right, January 6th, the southern border, and uh, we look at them in, in, in isolation of today, we get this idea that, oh my God, the country's falling apart, that this administration is destroying the republic. Well, the, the administration certainly is working hard at uh, tearing down the republic. But let's, real, let's face a couple of painful facts. Uh, January 6th happened because for decades, we have focused more on how many people vote than whether or not they're doing so legally. We have spent decades folk, trying to get people to vote. Hey, motor voter laws, let's just register everybody. Are you actually going to vote? Or are you simply creating a registration that can be used either legally or le illegally in the future? Again, I don't want someone denied the right who legally has the authority to vote. But if it's a question of if you don't have the legal authority to vote, then no, I do not want you voting. This, you know, show up same day, register and vote. How about proof of who you are? How about ID laws? Proof that you live in that area where you're voting to make sure that you're eligible, proof of eligibility. It's not too much to ask. If you need to have a driver's license or other identification to fly in an airplane, why should you not require some, some identification to show that you're actually the person who's voting and that you can legally vote? See, we've spent decades saying, let's not worry about the quality of our voter rolls. They're atrocious. Every couple of years, the reports come out showing how 
how many dead people are on are, are on the voter rolls, or how many single family dwellings have uh, some sometimes as many as six, eight, ten, twelve families registered to vote there. We're more worried with how with quantity over quality in the voter rolls, and we certainly show very little concern about the uh, um, the accuracy of the voter rolls and the accuracy of the ballots being counted. Because that has built up for so many years and we've allowed the manipulation of our elections and we've never held people accountable when they have violated the laws and and corrupted our elections, we deal with January 6th. Imagine when people said there's, there's, there's fraud in the elections. If, the, if rather than the response being, well, yeah, there's fraud, but it didn't impact the outcome. People said, you know what? There is fraud. And let's see what we can do to limit the amount of fraud. Granted, it's a small percentage, but let's face it. How much dog do do you want in your brownie? And if you don't remember that story, I'll probably tell it again sometime. Ask, hey, go to the website, constitutionstudy.com, and, and ask me to retell the story about the brownie and the dog do. But it's a similar problem dealing with immigration. We have been, we've had an immigration problem for decades. I remember when Reagan um, signed the law granting amnesty to illegal aliens, telling us that would be the end of the problem. No more illegal legal immigration because we've done this. And it was flat wrong. It's time we start realizing our part in this, that the people who are establishing these laws work for us. We hire them. They work for us. The people that enforce these laws, that prosecute these laws, that try these, I should say, prosecute these offenses, that try these offenses, they, they work for us. We hire them either directly via election or indirectly via appointment by elected officials. The reason January 6th on the southern border are perennial issues, the gift that keeps on giving, is because we didn't deal with the problem when it was small. We've allowed it to grow like a cancer through our nation. And now that we're lying here in bed, gasping for breath, barely able to move, because our, bo- our, our national body is riddled with this cancer, we go, gee, I wonder why this happened. And just as it took decades to make this mess, it's going to take decades to clean it up. But it will never happen until the American people stop waiting for someone else to come save them from their own mistakes. Until the American people start realizing we started this, we made this situation possible, we have to do something. Yes, it's going to take time, but we must be the ones that fix the problem. The United States was not designed to be a top-down control of every aspect of your life. It was meant for us to take responsibility for our actions and hold those we hire accountable when they act corruptly. And unless and until we realize that and start making our own decisions to make things better in our own backyards, we will never see a change in the United States. Because a change in the United States doesn't come from Washington, D.C. It comes from your backyard. 
Now, I hope you'll come back and join us here for the Constitution Study, heard every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network. If you cannot listen then, that's okay. All the shows go to podcasts. All the episodes go to podcasts, generally a day or two after they're heard on talk radio. Now, you can listen in your favorite podcast app, but do me a favor, subscribe to the show. Even if you watch, even if you listen to the, the live broadcast, subscribe to the show. Leave the episode's ratings and reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the Constitution study as well. You can find all the links you need at the homepage at americaaloud.news. But as I tell you pretty much every day, you need to share them. See, it's the act of sharing this information that helps spread the word. I refer to myself as the sower of seeds. Well, I can only sow my seeds so far. That's where you come in. Take those links, take those stories, take all of it and share them. Think of them as seeds, the the seeds of freedom, the, the seeds of your rights, the seeds of liberty and the blessings of liberty. And let's let's sow those seeds as far as you can from sea to shining sea.